Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I am your host, Hillary Jones. Okay, so I'm not going to go into too much detail about this, but I think it is important to mention. So over the weekend in Providence, a video surfaced of a 24-year-old man named Jamal Gonzalez, who was pretty clearly, according to the video, purposefully struck on his moped by a police SUV. He's currently in a coma and in critical condition, and it's really, really super sad, but unfortunately not surprising at all, as it is in line with racist actions by the police in the country that have been discussed hmm, forever. And, oh, you know, just generally in line with white supremacy coming from our country's legacy of slavery. I'm mentioning this because after a Facebook exchange that I had with some folks, it apparently requires uh, reiteration. Uh, so even though this man was at some point riding with a whole slew of ATVs, motocross bikes and other illegal vehicles, it does not mean that the focus in any conversation after this should be on those vehicles. That is literally not what we're talking about. And this is exactly what happened in my case, in my conversation I was having on the Internet. So, you know, I don't care whether they were driving hoverboards like it doesn't matter. Uh, and it doesn't make it OK for police to literally ram into them. It doesn't matter what anybody is doing or driving or whatever. Uh, you know, and I, I also dislike ATVs. I don't like them. They're annoying. They're loud. And sometimes they are driven dangerously. You know who else does that? Guess. Just guess. Giant coal rolling trucks and Trump truck rallies, right? Like, I don't know. You don't see those getting rammed into by police. Hmm. Wonder why. All right. Anyway, my point is, if your inclination after police violence is to focus on what the victim was doing wrong, you are victim blaming. The same way that if after a sexual assault, you focus on what the person was wearing or whether they were drinking or whatever, you are victim blaming. It's totally unacceptable and distracts from the real issue, which should be supporting the survivor and changing the systemic issues that led this to happen in the first place. All right, I'll end my rant there. Uh, anyway, I am beyond psyched for you to hear this episode's delightful conversation with Pamela Cole and Ellen Angelico from Fanny's House of Music. Fanny's tagline is that uh, it is the most comfortable guitar shop in Nashville. And after talking to these two, you will find out why. <laughs> Pamela and her partner Lee opened Fanny's in 2009, and Ellen is one of their beloved employees. And if you're looking for a hilarious and endearing dig into their store and gear, Check out Ellen's favorite thing of the week on Fanny's on YouTube. It is literally pure genius, I swear to God. Fanny's uh, is not only a vintage guitar shop owned by women with a focus on women, but they also sell vintage clothes. Hmm, everything you could ever want. Or maybe it's just me, but that's that's all I ever wanted. So, yeah, I was really hoping I would get a chance to visit them during Summer Nam, but here we are. And yeah, it's a real bummer. I really wanted to go there. But, you know, if you're in Nashville for some reason, or if you're even on the Internet, please, please check them out. 
This episode is sponsored by the podcast Good Buddies over at Earthquaker Devices. Uh, I have a few things coming in the mail from them because they are great. Uh, I got a, a data corruptor coming this way, a Swiss Things, and a Ghost Echo, and I will report back about all of those shortly. I am very excited about that, and I'm sure you would be excited to have more Earthquaker pedals in your life, too. This week's Earthquaker device YouTube comment, this time about the data corruptor, is you spend sleepless nights praying the gremlins don't show up on a stage, and now somebody is selling gremlins in a stomp box. There you go, people. You can have gremlins in a stomp box <laughs> if you get the data corruptor. Uh, it kind of does sound that way, but in the best way possible. Anyway, Earthquaker Devices makes rad pedals, and they are a rad company that you can feel good about supporting. So check out EarthquakerDevices.com for more about them. Uh, this episode is also sponsored by Studio 121, run by Skylar Batts, who is now helping me with my editing, which, despite uh, the fact that I don't know what I'm doing, is very detailed. I'm, ve I'm very, very detailed and picky. So good on her for putting up with me. She can record your band, make you some beats, make you some podcast music. Uh, you can check out Studio 121 by Instagram at Official Studio 121. All right, with that, let's get into this interview. If you run a music store, if you work at a music store, if you go to music stores, or if you are a manufacturer who you want to make sure that your customers have a good buying experience, I promise you will get a ton out of this interview with Pamela and Ellen from Fannies. And stick around after the interview, and I will share my list of music store salesperson tropes. Get right in there. All right, here's the interview. Welcome to Midriff. Woo, thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for being here. This is very, very exciting. Uh, I can't wait for this conversation. Uh, so, oh my gosh, the feeling's mutual. We're here together. It was meant to be. For those of those listeners who might not be familiar at all, can you introduce both of yourselves, your name, your pronouns, a little bit about yourselves and your background with music? My name is Ellen Angelico. And I am pronoun indifferent, but I do mm. use she, her professionally. My mm -hmm. gender identity is kind of a moving target. I am a musician and an employee at Fanny's House of Music. And this is Pamela. Well, I'm Pamela Cole. I'm the co-owner of Fanny's House of Music, still trying to understand all the uh, new uh, ideas on, on gender and identity. So I just am Pamela. How about cool. that? That's awesome. That's good. That's I'm good. I'm old and trying to figure it all out. It's a learning process. We're all here together. Okay. 
thing. <laughs> in our intro, we talked a little bit about uh, you got a little bit into some your background and how you kind of got into playing music. Can can both of you speak to that a little bit more? Chronological history in less than two minutes. That's possible, right? Oh yeah, two minutes for sure. <laughs> well, I started playing bass, uh, electric bass, when I was in seventh grade. I played in bands and stuff throughout high school, and then. I uh, started singing and couldn't sing and play at the same time because it's a bass player thing, situation. And so I decided I wanted to sing more than I wanted to play. So I came to Belmont College. It was college at the time in 1982. I go into music business and ended up more in the music in the business, mm-hmm. kind of stopped playing and singing. But uh, then 11 years ago, my partner and I started Fanny's House of Music to offer a place for women and all sorts of people. Uh, so anyway, to offer a place where people, anybody could be comfortable, especially women, because um, our experience in music stores was uh, what most women experience in music stores, which I'm sure we'll talk about. You bet. <laughs> Thank you for that. So so it sounds like you kind of like got into music pretty heavily for a while and then took a break for a while. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. actually. And I took a break from the music business for a while, too. Yeah, until we opened Fanny's. What so. happened in that secret time period? Well, can we talk about it? We can, I am an open book. We All have, right. We can talk about anything. Um, my senior year in high, in high school, my senior year in, in college, both my parents passed away. Mm. And it threw me into uh, a zone that I uh, didn't know what to really do with. And uh, drugs and alcohol were involved. Actually, more, more alcohol. And gambling, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, woohoo! A and winning combination, really. It's a winning combination, <laughs> trifecta. <laughs> uh, oh, trifecta! There, I use gambling terms. Um, anyway, Wait, is that a gambling term? I don't. I have so much to learn. Anyway, we'll trifecta. come back to that. Yeah. Hmm. So, uh, so I needed to uh, find a space. I didn't think I could stay sober. I got sober, and I didn't think I could stay sober in the music business. It's very egocentric, which is uh, the opposite of recovery. And mm-hmm. so um, I ended up uh, just staying out, staying out for a while, doing some mental health for a long time, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lee and I had met in 1982 at Belmont, and um, we were just driving around one day. And, and wouldn't it be great if there was a music store that was comfortable for everybody, including women? And we I'm touching at, my heart. Yeah, we, <laughs> we, I know. We looked at each other. I think we'd seen a uh, billboard for Corner Music maybe or something. And when it, I was like, wouldn't it be great if somebody, you know, and she like, we looked at each other and went, oh, no, it's supposed to be us. Who else is going to do this? <laughs> so so we started working on the idea and uh, and I dipped my toe back into the music business, uh, doing some artist management. And then it just, it just, we finally got Fanny's open and it's, you know, it's been crazy. But good. So what year was that exactly? Uh, 2009, I guess. Fanny's? Yeah. Yeah. 2009. And how long did it take you from like idea to inception? A couple of years. A couple Mm -hmm. of years. Yeah, we did some research and, you know, make sure that Lee is actually a bass player and and she is still playing. We we did some research and we started finding out that no one was even (laughs) researching. They weren't even counting women in the in the information. So, you know, we could, we go to different stores, go to guitar center and be ignored for an hour and a half or whatever. Who are you, are you buying for your boyfriend? That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. All, all the things that all, all women musicians have heard. 
classic. Yeah, yep. So, and then we were just kind of trying to figure out how to raise the money and where, which part of town to be in in Nashville, and and um, it just kind of it just kind of all lined up. And we opened with absolutely nothing. We decided on this house uh, here in East Nashville, and uh, we agreed to the house and the renovations in it. And the economy completely crashed. Um, that was 2008. So when they mm-hmm. were doing the renovations, and so we had no money, no way of, of getting any money. Um, but we opened anyway, and we, had, you know, just went month to month. And uh, the 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 community, you know, we have lessons here also, and the, the community really was excited to have us, and we've got such good press, not even, you know, not even asked for, not even solicited. It ju- We just looked at ourselves and said, well, if we do better each month, then we will continue doing this. And so that's that's what's happened for 11 years. Yeah. And so we continue on. Well, I mean, it seems like <laughs> it's not unwarranted, like you're doing something really special there. And I want to get I want to get into more about that because it is it just I having never even been there. Just the vibe is it just feels very special. Aww, so, yeah, you. Ellen, I have played guitar my entire life since I was very, very young, probably too young. And I wait, how young is too young? I want to know your definition now. Uh, I started taking lessons when I was four or five. Whoa, I have a four-year-old, so. Yay. But, you know, we see yeah. it with kids here when when they know what they want. You got to give them the space to do that. And and it, practicing is never going to be a burden for that kind of kid. So that was, that was me. I played guitar obsessively. I didn't have a conception of music as a job. I didn't have any mm-hmm. examples of that in my life. So I never thought of myself as being a professional musician until I got to college. I heard, so I was planning on going to college for other things. uh, And I heard about a music college in Boston called Berklee College of Music that focused on contemporary styles. Mm -hmm. And I said, that's the place for me. And I applied and I got in with a, a scholarship and I did pretty well there. And I met people whose Careers in music were varied, and not everybody is a rock star. And I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't have a conception of that as as a kid. And I met people like that at Berkeley, and I met also people at Berkeley who were moving to Nashville mm. uh, to pursue careers. After living on the East Coast for three years, I knew I didn't want to continue living on the East Coast and be that far away from my family in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I thought Nashville seemed like a great place to have a music industry town and not be too far from my family. So I Mm -hmm. moved here in 2010. I was in a fledgling but sincere indie rock band. Aren't they all? It was uh, largely a mistake, but I learned a lot. Oh, no. (laughs) There are no mistakes. And uh, I made made several other mistakes, but one mistake. Just in haircuts. One mistake. Yes, well, and slightly in course, we could talk about that later. But anyway, I wow, I have one, so many questions already. One mistake that uh, I did not make, or one thing I did that was not a mistake, was walking into Fanny's House of Music. Mm-hmm. I lived on the same street as Fanny's, and I heard there was a guitar store. So I walked in and I plopped my butt on that bench until they gave me a job. And that's amazing. So my music career and my career at Fanny's have grown in direct and parallel relation to each other. As I worked here for longer and longer, I fell more and more in love with the mission. I I feel in many ways I am the human embodiment of the mission. (laughs) 
and I have taken on more responsibility here at Fanny's. Uh, I am no longer just, you know, checking people out at the counter. I kind of have some back end stuff that I do here now, too. Mm -hmm. At the same time, my music career has grown and Pamela and Lee, I owe them a debt of gratitude and I regularly thank them profusely in emails and occasionally bribe them <laughs> with gas station purchases of Diet Pepsi and combos. Combos. Um, combos. To to thank them. Are for, you sponsored by combos? Because I think that's something to work towards. Oh my God. That's a good plan. Totally we'll think would. about it. Think about it. Hashtag combos. It's true. They're just right <laughs> over there. So I, uh, I have to profusely thank Pamela and Lee all the time for giving me the space to pursue a music career on top of my career here at Fanny's. So Fanny's obviously carries a ton of vintage gear, carries a ton of cool vintage clothing, which I feel like maybe people... I might not know based on yeah. you being on this podcast, I feel like is an important piece of this as well. And can, so can you talk about that combination of the combo? No, <laughs> no. Oh my God. <laughs> I need like an air wow. horn. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like. <laughs> wow, it was meant to be. Okay, so uh, can you talk about that combo of things <laughs> and how that has functioned for you? Well, when we decided to open, I had a friend who, uh, her name is Libby Calloway. She's a, ah, oh, she's just a master. She Like, she lived in New York and hung out with the all the stylists and, you know, we don't know, Lee and I don't know anything about this. We have no style. Uh, she needed a place to, to put her, she was do, selling vintage clothing and kind of on the side. And uh, had moved back to Nashville because her family's from Chattanooga. And she, she's just a friend uh, that I ran into. And I was telling her about the store. And, and I said, you know, why don't we put your stuff? This is a perfect combination, an absolute perfect combination. Because so many people walk into music stores and maybe don't want to hang out and look at guitars or whatever. But uh, Well, I could just, if I'll just jump in really quick, it has proven to be a very prescient uh, notion as the nature of the neighborhood that we are in has changed. Well, yeah, for sure. And mm. we, the, the neighborhood of East Nashville was not always a place that tourists came to. Mm. And now it is. And mm. not every tourist plays guitar. They mostly wear clothes. So <laughs> those and folks... And like and jewelry. Yeah. So those mm -hmm. folks have come into Fanny's and spent more time in the store because right. of the vintage clothes and the jewelry and the odds and ends that we have in here is we're a small store we're in a we're in an old house from the 1900s and um and we don't have a lot of space but so we have to diversify in in our in our sales and i think most companies most small businesses have have uh, realized that they all have to do that now and so for us it was i think if it was in any other any other place maybe it wouldn't work out but like ellen was saying east nashville is kind of a eclectic kind of oddball place that's changed a lot and uh, and there's several vintage clothing places over here, so we're on their circuit, and mm. and they're on ours, and we become a destination actually for for um, tourists and and people that visit Nashville, and especially on the weekends. So that's been a huge part of our business that wasn't there at the at the beginning, and the and the clothing and the tchotchkes and all and all of that kind of stuff does give somebody a reason to kind of hang out while uh, 
their significant other might be playing guitar for 30 minutes. And it does, it ties mm-hmm. back into the mission of Fanny's as well, right. um, which is that it's a place for everybody to feel comfortable. Not everybody plays guitar. So if right. you're in here with your, your spouse or whatever, and they're going to spend 45 minutes yammering on to me about, you know, neck sets or whatever. Then, <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, it, it just gives you something to do if you don't want to be a part of the 45-minute yammering on about neck sets. Also, we, right. have, we have lesson rooms here and we, we give lessons and, you know, parents can shop while their kids are taking a lesson or, you know, it, it's, it's just really, it just really worked out. And I think Nashville is a perfect place for it too. Right. Yeah. But it's, but overall, it just seems like such a smart business move because Thanks. I feel like so many shops open and they're, it, they're, the competition is so huge. Um, if they're, if you're not really differentiating yourself in some way, and then like in your case, like bringing in another option for a different old, additional income stream, like it's going to be hard to keep going. Like I feel it sometimes in my brain, I'm like, so how would you start a shop mm. and like, well, you have to have like a coffee shop or like something else going mm-hmm. on. And I feel like you're, you're doing the something else. And that's seems smart to have all that going on. Thanks. We actually thought, thought about doing coffee, but uh, there's a coffee mm. shop right next door. So it was already here. <laughs> there you go. We didn't want to piss off our neighbors. No, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I know a lot has been going on. Quarantine, <laughs> tornadoes, what, uh, tell me about, can you share folks about how your last year has been? Well, it wasn't the year we expected. <laughs> Thanks for the intro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I was telling somebody, uh, yesterday, I think I'm just now coming out of shock really from, from it. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a tornado on March 3rd that came right into our neighborhood, destroyed it, uh, on, on different levels. We had windows and doors blown out. And uh, like a assault rifle, assault or rifle, yeah, or to to the outside, um, just pummeled, and um, but everything around us was kind of destroyed, Ugh. and so in that way, we were very lucky. The gear was just uh, dirty with this fine glass and tornado mm. goo that we call. Actually, everything in the store, even the pick packs, had to be wiped off. But there was only one guitar. Uh, well, there were two guitars. One had a little finish uh, issue. The one that, that had the most damage was gently placed in the corner, a 100-year-old parlor. Just, here you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tornadoes are weird. They're, they they don't favor or disfavor anything. They just kind of even the plane. And, and uh, we could have, I tell people, you know, if we wanted more attention that day, um, I said, let's go throw some banjos up in the trees because everybody was taking... <laughs> Everybody was taking uh-huh. pictures right here of, mm-hmm. of Fanny's right here at, because it went right down our street. So uh, we, were, we were just very lucky in the end. Um, we had to be closed. And then two weeks later, of course, the virus shut everything down. And we were already closed and we had to be closed already. So in a weird, weird, hate to say it, the tornado was a, a blessing for us as far as when we had insurance that was covering mm. things. The we were able to put our employees, employees. on unemployment. Yep. And the, right. the disaster part of the unemployment in Tennessee was easier to navigate than the COVID part right. of the unemployment oh. in Tennessee. So it got them on faster. And then when, when the COVID thing happened, then they were already kind of in it. Because we Got weren't going to yeah. be open either way. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, that we makes could. a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. 
So mm-hmm. it was a weird, weird night. We spent the night, uh, Lee and I got here about 30 minutes after, and, and we spent the night on the porch with a friend of ours, um, just kind of guarding the doors and the gear and waited for Home Depot to open. Home Depot also carries combos. <laughs> Uh, oh, oh, yeah, Home Home Depot to open so we could uh, so we could board up, and then a group of friends of Ellen and some, uh, including the wonderful Brittany Howard, Aww. came and uh, and they all just started taking the guitars out to vans and we took them up to a storage unit that was climate controlled and. And so everything was safe, and then we felt like we could go home and, you know, and rest for a minute. So Good. I will say the tornado also provided me with a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to clean out the attic of Fanny's. <laughs> My life has improved <laughs> immeasurably from cleaning out the attic. It has been a wow. dream of mine to clean out the attic in this building since 2014. <laughs> I am a new man, and thank you, tornado. Yes. Thank you, Tornado. There we go. Thank you, Tornado. There was a pile of crap in the attic uh, from (laughs) the previous tenants of this building. The window blew out. The window blew out up there. The permanent window blew out up there, and it gave me a chance to just throw it all out the window. It was a fun day for her. And I just, I've (laughs) I've truly never felt happier or more free. That's got to really, that's got to, you know, make your heart pitter-patter. Yeah, life-changing. It was was very (laughs) cathartic for for her, uh, I think Lee too. For her Lee got a special yeah. joy of yeah. throwing some of that stuff out there. Uh, well, congratulations. So, as far as like the types of gear that you have in the store, uh, it seems like you're also pretty specialized as far as that's concerned. Can you talk a little bit about what the types of things that you tend to carry? I don't know that I would call it specialized, but maybe that is the word for it. I'm I'm a bass player, so mm-hmm. I could care less if we have Strats, Les Pauls. And Telly's. So both stores are owned. I mean, the store is owned by two bass players. Mm-hmm. So we like eclectic, odd ball, kind of different. We like the catalog guitars from the 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. I, you know, we're small enough where we don't have to have 10 Les Pauls. Um, right. That helps also. But, you know, I, we like things that have a little mojo. We like things that, that uh, maybe have a story. We carry uh, only three new three new products uh, or manufacturers, I guess. We, we do the, uh, the Music Man just because of the St. Vincent. We wanted to mm-hmm. carry the St. Vincent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks. And, uh, do you have a Mariposa as well? No. I thought we do I'm have just so curious the about The short-scale uh, Stingray bass that we just got, and it's pretty sweet. Oh. Oh, cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I could talk about, well, I have talked about short scale bases ad nauseum. So, but I would, I would get it right in there, but. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I love them. Oh, well. Yes. You have to come here. I I know. I was hoping to get to come there during oh. summer NAM, but I. Oh, that's right. It was all for naught. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Short scale. Such a bummer. We're wanting to, mm, we're wanting to build a fanny. Ooh. A limited series. Yep. And it will be a short scale base. I want to, so I want to, you might I be know the first, this. you might be the first one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Please. I love that, that Please. you love those because not everybody I love them. them. Not, not everybody loves them. Again, you know, They're... we like things that are different and uh, functional, you know. I think too, you know, there's such a scene for guitar stores in Nashville. When I visit other towns, I like to go to 
guitar stores and try to find mm-hmm. independent guitar stores, and there just aren't a lot these days. Uh, in Nashville, there's like a quadrillion, and they are known for different things. You know, you know when you go to Brune Guitars what you're going to get. You know when you go to Carter Guitars what you're going to get, and you know when you go to Fanny's what you're going to get. And everybody brings mm-hmm. something different to the table. And I think our what we have kind of come to be known for has situated itself in the in the garden of guitar stores of Nashville. Well, I, I think we 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 provide something different. Yeah, absolutely. We we don't do a lot of high end vintage. We're probably the only place that doesn't do a lot of high end vintage. There are two other stores that that have been doing that for years and years and years. I don't want any part of that business. I I like to be able to uh, have things that people can afford. And maybe if they want to trade up into something that's that's uh, more collectible, then they can do that with whatever we carry. And I also just like, you know, we just like things that are that are different. I don't, I don't know how what it's, other word to use. That, other but than that's different. I think that makes sense. Like based on just mm. based on the things I've seen on the internet, mm-hmm. uh, like you the catalog guitar. So like the things like old like you know harmonies, yeah. K's that kind of thing. It's a very specific space that you're kind of holding to do that and have to be like, this is the thing we're doing, which is rad. And there, it seems like a lot, everything's mostly like players. Um, player quality. Mm-hmm. Well, player the, quality. The other thing is we're willing to <laughs> take a chance on repairing some of those old guitars. Sometimes mm. the, the cost of repairs can be close to the cost of the instrument themselves. But yep. we're almost all the time. Yeah. <laughs> But, so, but, you know, to a certain extent, we're willing to take a chance and put in the time if we think something special is there. Right. Yeah. I've got a nice uh, silver tone yeah. U1 bass sitting one foot away from me right now. Yeah. Short scale. Check yes. it out. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm on board with all of this. And the, and, the catalog, <laughs> and the catalog stuff, you know, a lot of you see those at Goodwill. You see them in the, mm-hmm. in the garbage. You see them you know, at estate sales or whatever, and they all need neck sets and, you know, they all need, because they've been, you know, they were inexpensive to begin with, but they're right. all, almost all solid wood, which you can't purchase, you know, uh, for a three or $400 anymore. So, you know, if we, if we make $50 off of a guitar that we've, that we've saved, <laughs> we are saving guitars. Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's important work. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's work. Do it's you have a, do you have a lot of like Matsumoko type stuff there too? We love we love yeah. the Japanese stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it gets it, it allows somebody to get into a really nice piece. Oh, I sound like a car salesman, but uh, <laughs> you can get into this seventy four. <laughs> I can see you in this piece. Yeah, I can see you in this piece. <laughs> oh, anyway, so they can you know get a. A, a good quality thing for a lot less money than they can maybe they can't afford a new fender you know mm-hmm. not everybody can afford all that kind of stuff so um we're we're glad to be in that niche of of guitar stores here in nashville because mm-hmm. i think other guitar stores are kind of catching on and maybe doing some of it now too which is that's fine that's fine they don't have vintage clothing <laughs> there you go. <laughs> or Ellen. But I feel like that. And they the don't access have Ellen. Of, they don't have Ellen, mm-hmm. and they never will. That's right. uh, <laughs> but I think the access piece around all of that is so important, right? So I, I just I appreciate you digging into that space. That's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. 
So I have a question. I'm curious for both of you, like, what is your main setup now? What are you, what's, what are you, what are you jamming at home? What's happening? Or on stage, wherever one might want to jam an instrument. Well, I hardly jam anymore, unfortunately, mm. but maybe this year will be different. I did take... See, it's a special year. I did take home, uh, you know, I was very uh, uh, influenced by Karen Carpenter when I was a kid, so I wanted to be a mm-hmm. drummer, and I did take home a drum set. And I'm Ooh. thinking about taking lessons from someone that works here at my store virtually because I don't want anybody to hear me and uh (laughs) and and I'm I'm, that's on my list for next year to actually wait can you tell me what kind of kid it is um it's a Gretsch it's a Gretsch uh Catalina Birch and it has Mm. a very unique halogen green fade finish no way it's very pretty it's very pretty, which that sounds why I wanted it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because it'll look good <laughs> even if it sits there. It's still going to look That's good. right. It's going to be a nice decoration regardless. That's right. So, and it's surrounded by bases. So, um, what's your favorite base that you have? That's, that, that's hard. Favorite. But my main, my main base that I, uh, that I had from the time I was 17, I still have. It's a, four, oh. a 1967 4000. Rickenbacker. I was a nice. huge Rickenbacker fan, and uh, I couldn't afford them. And then I found this one from a friend for two hundred fifty dollars, and I paid him in, in installments. <laughs> wow! Yeah, that's amazing. In like nineteen seventy-seven, I guess. P is that the one wow. that still has the pawn sticker on it? It's my the case does have a pawn sticker on it. We can go back to the gambling uh, part of my. Uh, <laughs> And drugs uh, and alcohol, uh-huh. part of my day. So I, I do have one pawn sticker on it, and I left it on it because I did get it back. So, But I did pawn it. I did have to pawn it at one point. It came back to you, it, so it was meant to be. It did. It did. I had no idea what I was buying at the time, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know what year it was. I didn't care that it was a 4000 I just wanted a Rickenbacker. So, yep. you know. Yep, wanted. yep. So that's probably, that's probably my most precious. Yeah. That's a good story. I like that. Thanks. Thank you. Alan? Well, I am still uh, playing shows quite a bit. And so my gear changes a lot as my needs change. I My main electric right now is a uh, custom-made Dismal Axe Barnstormer guitar. Ooh. Uh, Gwen Forrester is the name of the luthier who makes Dismal Axe guitars. And they're just the finest electric guitars I've ever played. I played my first one uh, here at Fanny's before I even worked here. Oh, so I don't think she had them anywhere else. She was just selling them herself at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and found them on the internet. And did you like, really? Yeah, I just was oh. looking on the internet and I went, "Oh my god, I love these guitars." I thought they were really more of an art piece than a guitar. So Gwen is a transgender woman, but All at right. the time, I, but at the time, I was, follow. Yes, I follow Gwen on uh, the Instagram. And he, just this old hippie with long hair came out of the woods and brought these wonderful guitars and they played like butter. So like butter. Like butter. So I was thrilled to have them. Um they're a difficult sell for me, but I love having them here just to help just promote her, who she is, what she does, and they're amazing. So then Ellen of course fell in love with them. I did. And so when I finally, you know, needed a tax write off <laughs> I, 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 I went for it and I got a custom made one and it was incredible to work with Gwen and to end up with that. 
Acoustic-wise, lately I've been using a big old Goya Dreadnought that I bought here at Fanny's. Uh, I just accidentally uh, punctured it on a mic stand, so it's it's in repair at the moment. I don't usually like playing dreads because they're big and I'm small, but I'm yeah. getting used to it because I like the sound so much. Uh, and then I have, a, I have a lot of amps, but my current favorite is a third power Dreamweaver. Mm. It's been a lifesaver in the studio. It can do a lot of different sounds well. It's nice to take one amp and not 47 places nice so that's yes. my that's the that's my favorite stuff and i love pedals love pedals mm-hmm. i have a, like a cabillion of them and i don't a cabillion I, my love of pedals is indiscriminate i like analog i like digital i like modeling i like midi controlled i like loop switchers i'm into it all yes deeply i appreciate deeply, that weirdly commitment. obsessed yes i feel that 100 percent. being a bass player who needs a pedal whatever <laughs> you just have one bass players yes. just have one <laughs> They have one P bass they got in the 70s and they mm-hmm. play it the rest of their life. <laughs> Forever. Am I the Rick? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. yeah. But I kind of, I mean, I just became obsessed with, I, I like how pedals are relatively inexpensive and can make such a big change to your sound. And that also right. led to me getting into modding them and building them. It's, it's a deep rabbit hole, an inexpensive rabbit hole. And it's my new favorite hobby. I have not gotten into the building piece yet, but I, I, I don't know why, but I just haven't. But I th- feel like that would be the next logical step. I mean, I think if you Do you, if do you, you like, like kits or? It, I started with kits and then I started yeah. just, I mean, you, you just grow and you decide what you are into about it and you explore that area. And before you know it, you're wishing you had solder scented cologne. In general, uh, what have your experiences been like connected to gender identities and gear? Fanny's just being... The idea itself, you know, to try to find um, gear that was that actually uh, fit a female body uh, was important for us. Um, uh, weight, the weight of an instrument is important when you're learning, and and so the, so that was something that that we intentionally and we still try to intentionally educate. Uh, women that come into the store on um, they may not even know why it doesn't feel comfortable why they were playing a, a an acrylic th- thunderbird what could possibly go wrong exactly exactly <laughs> or a dreadnought and they have right and, and mm-hmm. they have a chest size of 42 you know mm-hmm. it doesn't it just doesn't work um i had a friend who used to turn she, uh when she was playing live she would turn the volume off she kept turning it. She had a, a button that was on the, the, the acoustic. Um, that was a, what do you call that? Like a pickup preamp thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And her boob would turn it off while she oh. was playing. So <laughs> She wasn't choosing to turn it exactly, off. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just, just you know, those those things in general. But um, mm-hmm. we, we also, you know, we're, we have only women on our walls. That was very intentional. We went into lots and lots of stores and didn't even see Bonnie Raitt on the wall. Mm-hmm. So we made sure Bonnie Raitt was on our wall. And we and I was oh. able to buy a uh, one of the signature strats of hers and put it right next to her. And Joan Jett has a oh, melody awesome. maker right next to her. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're not for sale. And it was hard to find, you know, information about signature. I think somebody just released... Oh yeah, her. her Fender and her. Yes, yes the Fender, Fender and her, her model. Yeah, Fender is doing a good job. There, Fender's really coming really, along. It's uh, I feel like the transformation has been 
it's very noticeable very it's very visibly and it's clear that there's an intentionality around it yeah. that and it's been just over the last what 10 years would you say oh, less than that well what we've noticed um too just being in it in the last 11 years mm-hmm. with manufacturing we've noticed they're actually talking about uh, a resurgence of women picking up guitar but i don't think it was a resurgence i think they just didn't well, they weren't counting it yeah so they're noticing it and the fender guy actually had some press on that the, the head yep. of Fender, the CEO. So that, I think, made other music stores that weren't particularly looking at that start to pay attention. And that and that helps. And what also we've noticed is in, in manufacturing, uh, the, the vendors are the older men that have run them, you know, for the past 50, 60 years are passing away or passing mm-hmm. on or retiring and, and passing their companies over to daughters or or women that are in the company the more when we when we won this she rocks award we at nam that was one of the things that we wanted to tell people you know that that the women that are heads of companies have an obligation to continue to push this for girls and women because it's a kind of a good old boy business not unlike most businesses in general i think they they they're starting to get the message. And it may be for the wrong reasons. It might just be for uh, economic reasons. Uh, but in the end, it will work out for more people to have access and more women to have access and seeing themselves. You know, oh, I, I'm kind of skipping all over, but... Um, no, it's great. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're just a space that, that a young girl can come in and see herself on the wall. And I don't think there's any other place like that um, in the world that we have found. Um, and we've searched. <laughs> How many other like women-owned shops do you know of? I I think there's about five now. In the in the U.S., I'm guessing. In the or... in the U.S., yes. Yeah. There's there's about five, and some co-owned. A lot of co-owned husbands are bringing their wives in and actually giving them. They're telling people that this is my wife and she's a co-owner. You know, instead of right. Maybe they just did the books for thirty years. You know, they're kind of bringing yeah. them, bringing them out of the closet, so to speak. And uh, I've heard from a couple of places uh, overseas, but I can't remember now where they were. Um, but when mm. we first opened, we did get some press about being really kind of the only one that was owned and operated by women. And and they were like, no, we're over here, too. Mm-hmm. Um, they were just a little different. But and we were like, yay, you know, everybody tell us where you're at because we need to know each other. Third, yeah. third wave in uh, in Detroit is a great little shop, um, and it's run by a female. I I worked for one in um, in Moorhead, Minnesota, for a number of years. This is like twenty years ago, probably. But like the woman who owned it, her name is Marguerite, um, and she is unfortunately passed on about five ten years ago. Mm-hmm. But uh, she had started in the '60s, and it was like started as like a record shop and a gift shop, yeah. and then it kind of like. Yeah, then it then her son was into guitar and then they started carrying guitars and that became their main focus that's and that's so just cool. how it happened. What was the name of mm-hmm. the store? Marguerite's Music. What? I love her. We, we yes. have to look that up. It's, that's ma- that's yeah, amazing. Yeah, largest the largest independent music dealer in the Upper Midwest. I love that. RIP Marguerite's. Uh it's yeah, they closed down a few years ago. Oh. It, it was rough. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Sad. It's hard. Small so. business is hard. That's the thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the thing where it's like, so not only are you um, like a woman owned place, but your focus, I think, is another piece of that. Right. So it's it's both and because that that was not their focus. But 
Um, and so what, what, when people come into your shop, what is, how do people generally react to this space? Because you'd said you're, it's the most comfortable guitar shop in Nashville. That's your tagline, mm-hmm. right? And so, so what's people's reaction when they come in? I think people react to the hominess of it first. Uh, it's not decorated like a guitar store. We don't have racks like you would see in a guitar store we don't have display cases like you would see in a guitar store Mm. we have an amazing antique display case but it looks like it belongs in the home you know it's it's Mm -hmm. a lot of wood and it just it's decorated more like a home than than a guitar Mm -hmm. store and i think people react to that pretty immediately Mm -hmm. when they come into the store some people will come in they'll, they'll see the sign for vintage and that'll be all they'll see so they come in they're like oh you have instruments and then other people will come in looking for the music store and they go, oh, you have clothing. <laughs> so <laughs> so that's kind of weird that that happens. But, uh, you know, we we treat everybody the same. And that's really important um, and it, because it doesn't really matter who you are, except if you're Joe bon- Bonamassa and you buy Ellen's uh, first amp. And she would love to tell <gasps> did that, that story. Happen? It did happen. It just I, happened. Okay. It's so. always fun when you recognize a name on the caller ID. He called and he just asked some questions about what was in stock and then um, came in and we happened to have a very collectible Silvertone Jimmy Reed guitar in fabulous condition, hmm. which is really what he was after. But my amp, <laughs> my 1,000 pound, 100 watt all tube Mesa Boogie Mark I reissue that I have had since I was 16... <laughs> 16. She had just decided to sell it. Was languishing in the corner. Nobody mm-hmm. wants it because it weighs a thousand pounds. Um, <laughs> but it, it's an amazing amp and it does, it has yeah. a great sound. And he, he recognized it right away. And he asked if, if we would cut him a deal. And of course I, you know, caved like a, like a, a pee, like, like something that caves yeah. and, and uh, made him, cause he, made he, him a fabulous he definitely couldn't afford it. <laughs> yeah, right. well, and he it. bought, you know, two other things too. So all right, fair but enough. I uh, I was happy to I was happy to sell it just to to kind of yeah. give it a second life. Well, was, those are that's fair. Fun. You know, I mean, we're yeah. still fans. We're still fans. We yeah. treat everybody the same. Mm-hmm. We're fans, you know. Yeah. And, you know, we almost closed when Robert Plant walked in one day. We were like, okay, we'll just close for the rest of the day. But you know, I like to think besides <laughs> besides the fact that my that our that me and Joe Bonamassa's interaction was based on a mutual understanding of what we were talking about, I -hmm. like to think that my interaction with him is no different than my interaction with a 15-year-old who comes in, doesn't play music, is thinking about ukulele. You know, I I don't want to treat somebody with expertise different than somebody who is just excited about music because they're both valuable people and they should Mm -hmm. be treated that way. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably part of the attitude I would imagine that lends to the comfort, right? Exactly. Because you don't have to come in and feel like you know everything or you're famous or whatever to be treated with respect and that you're a worthwhile person deserving of attention and, and uh, the ability to create. Right. Boy, we sure hope so because that is the mission for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I it comes from it comes from personal experience. Like Pamela said early on, you know, you got the standard mm-hmm. questions of like, are you buying something for your boyfriend? But it even, it, it can be much more subtle than that. Um, and I learned very quickly as, as a kid to detect when I was being underestimated and mm-hmm. to sneak 
a bit of information in that <laughs> betrayed my expertise. You know, you got to, people are going to clock you from a mile away. They're going to notice mm-hmm. if you're trying to steer them. And so it's just important to be genuine. Yeah. When we don't yep. know something, we say we don't know. And we don't yep. know a lot, but we'll find out, you know, mm-hmm. and that's kind of rare in a music store for sure. For sure. <laughs> now, on the other hand, yes. I know everything. That's true. Just ask. <laughs> you know, Lee, when Lee goes to a store, and this has been her experience the whole time that mm-hmm. she's been playing, uh, she gets the attention, but then they don't respect what she is saying in the conversation until she starts playing. Mm-hmm. And then when mm-hmm. they know that she can play, they go, oh. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even... And that doesn't... That shouldn't matter ever. Right. Just ever. But even, you so. know, just this morning, there was a gentleman that came in to sell some stuff and he wasn't a mean man. He wasn't a malicious man. There was a difference in the way that he treated me mm-hmm. after I started playing. And it was Pamela who was like, wow, Ellen's a great guitar player. She should play some of your guitars. And as soon as I, you know, noodled for a second, there, there was a marked difference. So it's, it's, it's in all of us. It's, it's taught yeah. to us by the world around us. And it takes intentional spaces to undo it because, you know, oppression is not, now we're in a whole nother world. But, uh, <laughs> Here we go. We're getting in there. Let's do it. Oppression Ready. is... Is oppression is specific. Oppression is not general. So undoing it has to be specific, not general. And that's why we have women on the walls. And that's why we make inclusion an important part of our focus. And I'm sure that's the reason some people don't come here. And that's okay, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. That has to be right. okay, too. So Yeah, I mean, I, I like the, the point that you're making around the spe- specificity. And I think what you're getting to is almost like just the little ways that oppression, like, can show up, right? So it's not that it's like a, it's it's not that it's not a giant system. It's just that the way, it, because it, it functions on so many levels, mm-hmm. big and small, that you're able to, like, those little, little bits of, like, a picture on the wall or, like, handing someone a pick right away, you know, or whatever, right. you know, like little things like that. And it doesn't make the gentleman someone not having to be like true bypass in order for you to take them seriously. Right. And, like, and, and by know. that same token, it doesn't mean that the guy who came in today and treated me different after I play guitar is a bad person. Mm-hmm. It's just planting that seed of pla- planting that seed of possibility in him. Yeah. That there's mm-hmm. this space that's run by women that works for him too. He may not, yes, he, because he may not have ever seen that ever. Totally, yeah. I mean, probably, probably not. not. Most people haven't. Yes. Probably not. Yeah. yeah, that's what we talk <laughs> about. You know, the the kids that take lessons here. You know, they may have a female uh, guitar teacher. They'll mm-hmm. never ask, "Can girls play guitar?" They'll never ask right. that. And so, when somebody does say something stupid like that, <laughs> when they're older, they may go, "Well, my guitar teacher was a female. I don't know what you're talking about." Yeah, I think there's definitely value in in like younger boys seeing yes. that and like having you know like cis women trans non-binary folks as mentors because i do think that that opens it up it changes the conversation yeah we're just trying to change the world one 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 little girl at a time oh i always say and one little boy at a time and it one little like boy too, at a time you know? that's right i'm wondering so we're talking about a little bit about like some of the experiences of for example like cis men when they come into your shop what how do what's the general reaction that are not Joe Bonamassa. I mean, I think a lot of them just have a normal guitar store experience. Yes, yeah. absolutely. 
an experience that they would have at any other guitar store. Yep. I think a lot of a lot of guys were looking for the same space. They're looking for a comfortable space. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of our our clientele are men. So mm-hmm. they, they seem to like it. That's great. Yeah. I, they like the fact that we're not going to try to outplay them. We're not going to try to out uh, talk them. We're not going to try to outsmart them. Smart them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're just they just want to come in and be left alone and and check out stuff. Some people want a different experience in a music store than that. And there are music stores here in Nashville for them, for that experience. <laughs> um, uh-huh. It's, you know, I, the, the one story I think I always tell is, the, um, you know, since Pawn Stars and all that kind of thing started. Yeah. There's a lot. there, And I think uh, guitar shows in general, which I was not, I didn't have a clue about guitar shows until we started this business. But they're not fun for Lee and I. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's difficult and there's, cause there's a whole kind of society, sub, so what is it? Sub culture. culture. Yeah. That the dealers have with each other and, and they're like, and we're like the girls, there's, there's the girls that own the music store, mm-hmm. you know, and we're like, yeah, we do. And we have money too, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, yep. but, um, the point, they like to bicker and that trading thing is really exciting for them and to come down on prices and, you know, that whole negotiation kind of bidding thing that happens. I dislike that more than anything. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, all of this, I think that you're talking about like the culture of, mm. of shops generally with people going in and feeling like they got to like, you know, like one up. Yeah. Show. Yeah. Wait, one up each other, mm. whether it's with regard to their playing or their knowledge or how much they can get you to spend on something. It's all the same thing. And it's all just like textbook toxic masculinity. They're going to focus on competition. And um, it's just a, yeah, it just seems like Thank it's all in line with the same thing. As an educated woman. Thank you. That's I perfect. Think, I'll just say too that. That's I, perfect. That's I think, what I was trying to say. Exactly. You, well, you said it. I oh, mean, I you, think too, you made it, you made it sound smart. smart. Thank you. Uh, I think too. Men notice us just as much as women do. Men notice mm-hmm. the photos on our walls just as much as women mm-hmm. do. And there are opportunities for them to connect with the photos of women on our walls just as there are opportunities for women to connect with, with photos of men. And so, you know, maybe there, maybe a, a man comes in and he's a gigantic Prince fan. And we have a mm-hmm. picture of Wendy Melvoin somewhere. And mm-hmm. he notices it because he's a big enough Prince fan to know who Wendy is, you know, right. or maybe a man of color comes in and sees that we don't only have white people on our walls, sees mm-hmm. that we know who Elizabeth Cotton is. I'm not saying that mm-hmm. that makes us like that absolves us of blind spots because we do have them. Of course. But it's mm-hmm. all it's it's you can see yourself no matter who you are. You can find somebody to identify with on the walls of Fanny's. Right. Right. So the represent like getting back to the the point about representation, which is so important. Yeah. And I think I think it I think men react to it the same way that women do in our store. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's in awesome. Their store, I, think that's I don't really, I don't really own it. Point. <laughs> yeah, but it's your store. But you're a part of yeah. it. And I feel like the fact that you're saying our speaks to the culture that you've created there, that you feel like you're bought into 
to Fanny's and that you're a part I of it. I think it speaks more to the fact that I am just melding into the woodwork, Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> style, just like slowly turning into the walls. So we talked about comfort and about the space that you're creating. So you've talked about a few of the ways that you go about creating that space. And I'm wondering if there are any other ways that you're intentional about creating that space, whether it's with regard to like the ways that it's set up, the types of gear that you or the gear that you carry or the way that you train people, any of that kind of thing. (laughs) School of music. Any school of music. Yes. We, uh, we're crazy that way when the economy. Tell me all about it. Econ- me and me and the general public. <laughs> when the economy <laughs> crashes, uh, we decide we need to be bigger. Uh, when there's a virus and a tornado, we, we decide that we want to expand. Um, so we're working on a campaign now. We have a 501c3 called Fanny School mm-hmm. of Music. And um, you can donate online if you'd like to. Um, and we're going to take our mission into a. Uh, uh, separate building or an add-on to this building so we can um, increase our lessons and have a space for performances and community and we're going to need a lot of money but we're we're up for it we're gonna we're raising money now start going after some people that have a little more it has been clear for a long time that our needs are outsized for the space Mm mm-hmm so mm-hmm. Fanny School of Music yeah. is a very uh, exciting but logical next step. It for is us. natural, natural progression. Yeah. So yeah. So we're excited. That's yeah, awesome. And That's to that super end, exciting. Pamela was saying that the Joan Jett and the Bonnie Raitt signature guitars aren't for sale. I would like to say they are for sale. If you would like to, <laughs> if you would like to buy Fanny's School of Music a building, yeah, then they're for sale. Yeah. Or if you'd like that to sponsor a, a lesson room for fifty thousand dollars. Uh, mm-hmm, I would mm-hmm. be happy to give you a Bonnie Raitt Strat <laughs> for $50,000. That, that sounds yeah. perfect. Yeah. So I'll yes. even try to get her to sign it. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll, I'll find but, her. See? Yeah. Uh, you can we'll find make, her. We'll I, feel like, it, I feel like that's totally reasonable. We'll make it happen. That's awesome. That's super exciting. If you were talking to uh, someone who is either like running another shop or maybe a dealer and they came to you asking for how to make the music gear industry better, what would you tell them? I think pretending that you know things does a disservice, customer service, which is a huge part of of this business. That, and I think, gosh, all the things that we've done. Aww. (laughs) This is nice. It's nice to look back and, and see, oh, yeah, we've accomplished our mission. I mean, it's a tiny, tiny space, but I I feel like more and more people know about us and even overseas. It's kind of cool. But yeah, to have um, a a space where somebody can see themselves and be represented, I I think that's probably one of the most important things that that Fanny's Fanny's does, whether it's a teacher, an employee, an owner, or a picture on the wall. And I think it's changing Mm -hmm. the industry. Yeah, and progress is not about perfection. You know, (laughs) small steps in the right Mm -hmm. direction are progress. Always be learning. I mean, I don't run this business. I'm a like nuts and bolts, like dollars and cents signed side of it. So I can't speak to exactly what parts of what we're doing affect the bottom line um, positively, but I can speak to how it makes people feel and how it makes the employees Mm -hmm. feel 
and it, just this posture of always learning, seeking out ideas that are yeah. different from what you would come up with, seeking out people who are different than you, because not everybody that mm. comes in is going to be exactly like me. Mm-hmm. And that those just having that posture of being willing to learn seems to be mm-hmm. r- seems to be of pretty primal importance and directly connected to what uh, Pamela said as well. Like, so, yeah, yeah you, you have to be willing to learn if you don't know. You have to be willing to say that you don't know something in order to exactly, learn. Exactly. Right. Oh, yeah. Good point. So exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Acknowledge. And there's no bottom line here, Ellen. <laughs> We're not in this business. What are you talking money? about? We're not in this business <laughs> to make money. I do say that to her all the time because it's all monopoly money. Well, uh, <laughs> Ellen, I do have one final question. What is your favorite thing of the week at Fanny's? You know, I tried to film Ellen's favorite thing this morning, but an old guy from Florida came in and sold us a couple thousand dollars worth of you and yesterday telecasters. So. And yesterday too. <laughs> yesterday too, she tried to film, yeah. and we got into a discussion over what was it? Oh, we were talking about all kinds of things. We were talking about gender and politics, and yeah, our and, own experiences growing and, up. And an hour later, all over to, a, a a skirt with fringe on it. Yeah, and then it was <laughs> time to start. open the store. I, the thing about Ellen's favorite thing at Fanny's of the Week is that it doesn't happen weekly. And it also sure. doesn't usually involve my favorite thing. What? What? Like a badly named, earnest, medium quality gear review YouTube show. Oh, for show. heaven's sakes. People love it. It's, uh, it's a labor of love. I think everyone loves it. I, how would you not love it? It's, uh, it's pretty silly. It, she doesn't know how funny exact- she is. I always get excited when folks understand it for what it is, which is not a... Um, high quality, in-depth study of whatever it is that I'm playing and get it for the, for the jokes and, and for the, the earnestness and the sincerity. And I think it is, it is a direct outgrowth of the mission of the store, too. I think it is fabulous and endearing, and I want to watch it every moment of my well, life. Well, there's a there playlist, you so you can dig into it. <laughs> I've, only, I've already whipped through most of it, so you're doing, you're doing a service to the world. Like we don't even we barely watch them anymore because yeah. there's too many. Well, no, no, because some me being the salesperson that I am, she doesn't often sell things. Yeah, she she can be very hard on things, which is is still good because it's funny and it's Ellen, and um, and but, she is she's a personality of this store. But we walked in one morning early. <laughs> To see her in a baby pool. In like April. It was like 50 degrees outside. And a, and towels over the amps. She's she's laying amongst the amps and a, and a hose coming in from outside through the window. We just kept walking that day. We didn't <laughs> even say anything. We were just like, oh, okay. Well, her and the other employee <laughs> hadn't thought about how to get that baby pool out of here. We tried With to like all siphon the water. It. it wasn't a didn't really work. So we didn't watch that part either. So there are times that we just can't watch it because it's just too Yeah, it's living on the edge. It's living on the edge. Uh, right. Well, it seems to me like even though you're not necessarily like, you know, saying how awesome the gear is necessarily, like I think that what that does is that develops trust. Um I hope so. And so otherwise yeah. I would have stopped her. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we're very cognizant of that and that's what yeah one thing that pamela says all the time is that there's three rules for <laughs> buying a piece of gear uh you have to like the way it looks you have to like the way it sounds and you have to like the way that it plays and as long feels. as as long as uh, feels 
-hmm. And as long as the way, as long as I, as the salesperson, quote unquote, as long as I, as the employee, am keeping those things in mind for the customer, then we're going to find the thing that works best for them. And it may not be the thing that Mm -hmm. works best for me. But it's thank it's, you. Mm-hmm. Just like anything, just like every other thing we've been talking about with the mission, it's about empathy and it's about being genuine, being able to see yourself in that person's shoes and say, okay, mm-hmm. this person has, you know, whatever, gigantic boobs. So I'm not going to give, <laughs> I'm not going to steer them to the thing that's going to be uncomfortable for them. Right, right. Ask what they are. And maybe they are John Five and maybe they do want a telly and they're into metal, but it's just like you have to like ask. Right. And, it, and, yep. and, I mean, well, we could talk about this all day, but it's, yeah, it's, customer service. Yeah. It's yeah. just customer it's, service. Yeah. And it's like having a yeah. conversation and genuinely wanting to have that conversation with that person. I think that's what yep. that's what sets Fannies apart mm-hmm. is is that we are interested in our customers as 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 people, mm-hmm. as rounded individuals who care about more than just what guitar they're buying in our store. All right. Well, I feel like this last conversation brought us well into the end of our conversation, which is uh, how can people keep in touch with you? They can stay in touch with Fannies. We are always on there. Uh, it's mm-hmm. Fannies House of Music on everything except Twitter, uh, which is just Fannies House. You can Got also it. email at info at fanniesouseofmusic.com. Mm-hmm. And if you'd like to donate to the school, it is giving at fanniesschoolofmusic.org. Yeah, and oh, definitely yeah. check out fannyschoolofmusic.org for a little more information about what we're what we're shooting for with that. We post on our social media twice a be- twice a week about what we want to do with the school and we're always excited to talk about that. That is exciting indeed. Uh, I am very very much looking forward to seeing how this all uh, plays out mm-hmm. and for you to be able to serve more folks. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking the time today. I really appreciate it. This was fun. Um, you both are fabulous and I can't wait to actually get to go to Nashville and to check it out. And we can have a person. hug maybe by the time you're here. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't yeah, make sure you holler at us when you're in town. Absolutely. We'll do. Thank you so much. 100%. Hillary, appreciate thank it. You. So much good info from Pamela and Ellen. I hope you were taking notes. Uh, And if you want to donate to Fanny's School of Music, there are links for that, for them, and info about all of their mentions that you can check out in the show notes. Since Fanny's is creating the most comfortable guitar store in Nashville, it had me thinking about the types of music store sales experiences that make people uncomfortable. I usually like to focus on the positive, but I feel like this is useful because these keep coming up. So I want to share with you my music store salesperson tropes. I'm not trying to make fun of anyone, uh, but I'm pointing out that these are experiences that dealers should avoid uh, when, you know, providing with their, their customers with. You know, of course, as Pamela and Ellen mentioned, many of these are experienced by folks of all genders, and as a general rule, no one likes them. But based on my experience and conversations, and as Pamela had mentioned, you know, cis women, trans, and non-binary folks might experience these more often. And I will add that I know that this is a very hard time for small businesses, but that offering a quality customer service experience will put you leaps and bounds above other shops and competition from the internet, I know, which is all 
part of the issue right now, right? Plus, you can come back after, you know, if you start implementing some of this stuff, you'll be in a much better spot when you have more people in your space, right? So, all right. Before I get into the list, I will add that training is key to support your staff and, like by extension, your customers. So unless you've already created a super ideal and intentional space for your store, as Fannies have, training staff on everything from communication to microaggressions can be super helpful in avoiding those tropes, the the tropes that I'm going to be mentioning. So first trope, you're probably going to guess this. It's the mansplainer. This guy is classic. He gets all the attention. (laughs) Pamela and Ellen mentioned him specifically in our conversation, as with many of these other guys that I'm going to discuss. The mansplainer is compelled to tell you all about the guitar that you need, even though you already have that guitar at home. He needs to tell you about the true bypass, even though you work at a pedal company. He needs to tell you about the fact that Stevie Ray Vaughan played 13s, even though you don't care. Nobody likes this. They just, nobody likes it. Don't be a mansplainer. Does this mean that anytime you are a man who explains something to a woman that you are a mansplainer? No, it does not. If the woman asks you a question and you give her a brief, clear, and most importantly, humble answer that is empathetic uh, and about helping rather than like spewing info, then you're good to go. No worries. Don't worry about it. It's cool. All right. So this is closely related to another trope, which is the Guitar Center employee who knows less than you do. (laughs) Sometimes these two are combined, which is extra annoying. Uh, So the mansplainer might actually know what they are talking about, but the Guitar Center employee doesn't. Uh, I'm I'm mentioning Guitar Center specifically because this is a phenomenon that they are known for, but I've honestly never seen this anywhere else. Uh, I think generally dealers try to hire people who actually know what they're talking about, even if they are mansplaining, but not Guitar Center. And this is not to say that all of their employees are like this because they definitely are not. And I've known people who work there who are very knowledgeable, but there are an equal number of people who, you know, seem to have little experience, which somehow does not keep them from telling you all about the things that you already know about. And, you know, I will add, I went to Guitar Center this weekend because I was at a store nearby and I needed to kill some time. And it was pretty sad. Like half of the walls were empty And I feel a little bit bad for picking on them, but I honestly think that if they could fix some of the training and the customer service issues that they've had over the years, you know, they could potentially survive. They might make it, you know, like it's it's possible. So, all right. Next is the ignorer. Pamela mentioned this guy as well. It seems like there are, you know, a lot of things potentially going on with the ignorer. And potentially a lot of assumptions. You know, are they assuming that you don't play, that there's like another customer who might buy something or at least buy something more expensive than you would, that you're like a mom who isn't a musician who's waiting for their kid to finish lessons? Are they just bored? Like, (laughs) you know, one thing that might fix this would be to pay folks a flat salary instead of a commission. And that would, you know, up the likelihood of everyone being treated fairly. Just throwing that out there. All right. This leads us to the, is that your boyfriend guy? Another classic mentioned by Pamela and Ellen. Almost every musician on the podcast so far has mentioned this guy. Just just never say those words. Never, ever. Just don't. <laughs> I don't think I need to belabor this point and the assumptions entailed there. 
but if it's for someone's boyfriend and that is how, you know, somehow significant in the conversation, I assure you that the customer will let you know. All right. Next is the overbearing salesperson. So I understand that this is a little confusing. So, you know, how does one strike a balance between the ignorer and the overbearing salesperson? Well, this means that you want to acknowledge a customer and ask if you can help, but then if they don't need your help or after you help them, you can go away for a while. Go do something else. You don't have to check back in for at least another, say, 10 minutes. And even then, a check-in can just be a quick smile. You know, you can also just let them come to you. Imagine that. Many people prefer that. But you want to be warm and approachable if you do have a question. So not in team mansplainer, right? The overbearing salesperson can also, you know, they might try to sell you something you don't want. And you think about this as a long-term situation, as we discussed, long-term trust building is more important than short-term commission. And if you help them find something that they actually want, you build trust. If you sell them whatever or something that they don't need, you lose trust. Pretty simple. Next is the you're pretty good for a girl guy. I feel like we've made some movement on this one. People, I think, generally know not to say it, but it's still out there. Um, but I, I think this falls directly in line with stores or salespeople who make cis women, trans and non-binary folks or anyone really feel like they need to prove themselves by playing or mentioning particular gear just to get good service, right? Like that's that's not how sales should work. That's not how you develop trust with customers. Just create a better space. Don't do it. Last but not least, we have the grump. The grump can be confusing, right? As folks have mentioned a few times on this podcast, it's sometimes hard to tell whether the grump is being mean to you because you aren't a man who he assumes can talk with him about exactly which Fender amps are silver face and which aren't. As a side note, can we please get rid of that terminology? And, you know, he doesn't have time to deal with you and your lack of knowledge or if he's literally just grumpy all the time to everyone, which who knows? I'm going to go ahead and guess it's probably a little of both most of the time. And, you know, honestly... I feel kind of bad for the grump. Being that grumpy all the time can't be fun. And, you know, there's something back in there that a little therapy could help with so that he would be less grumpy. Go get therapy, grumpster. You can do it. Take care of it. All right. So those are my main tropes. There are other things here, you know, like don't hit on someone at a, a shop. We could go on and on. <laughs> but I think that's a pretty good list. What do you think? Do you agree with the list? Do you disagree? Shoot me an email at hillary at hillarybjones.com and let me know what you think. If you are listening and you work at a music store, a good first step here is to self-assess. Like, am I acting like any of these guys? <laughs> a good second step is to discuss those tropes with all of your employees. And once again, training and intentional culture, culture creation are always good ideas to prevent this from happening. Shut it down, folks. You can do it. All right. <laughs> if you like the podcast, please share with your friends and rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. 